This episode is brought to you by the March of Dimes, who is honoring National Birth Defects Prevention Month this January 2021. Go find them on social media and share the hashtag best for you, best for baby. Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Pregnancy Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk about those things a little differently. Well folks, we made it to the end of the Trump presidency and we're starting the Biden administration with a whole lot of hope. I just watched the inauguration and I feel like I finally exhaled after holding my breath for four years. These past weeks have been super intense and I don't know about you, but I thought anything could happen. I didn't know what was going to happen today. I think we all got acclimated for, you know, disaster after disaster to occur, especially around the inauguration. But wait for it. It's done. President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. History in the making. I cried, I cried, I cried. I cried when Michelle Obama walked out with President Obama in her gorgeous burgundy suit. I cried when Lady Gaga sang, when Jennifer Lopez sang, when Amanda Gorman recited her poem, and when Madam Vice President took her oath. I was very moved when President Biden took his oath too, but it represents something entirely differently to me. We've never had a woman vice president. We've never had a woman next in line for the presidency. And as a woman of a certain age, I feel it. Finally, finally, it's been a long time coming. I'm proud, relieved, joyful, and so, so hopeful for you know, parents and families in America, for women, and for our country. Now, we've talked about pregnancy, parenting, and politics throughout these historic and horrific past four years and about the implications of Trump's policies on parents, women, and families. Even before COVID, it was bleak. Now, with 400,000 dead in the U.S. and millions more severely sick, unemployed, or struggling, it was a lot worse than I ever imagined it would be. Here's the thing, though. I am an optimist and a true believer in humanity's positive pull. I think the Biden-Harris administration will turn things right. You know what? We have hope. We have a plan. And we have the people in place to make things happen differently. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch as the new Biden-Harris administration sets up new priorities, policies, and plans with more women in cabinet positions than any other administration. With a woman vice president next in line for the presidency, things are going to change. Women will see to it. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm going to say a prayer, light a candle, and send out all the hope I've got just as a little insurance. Join me, will you? That's about all I want to say before we get this week's guest on the line. Now, as you know, March of Dimes is our sponsor this month. For 80 years, March of Dimes has helped millions of babies survive and thrive. Now they're building on that legacy to level the playing field for all moms and babies, no matter their age, socioeconomic background, or demographics. March of Dimes is honoring National Birth Defects Prevention Month, which is January 2021, with the theme, Best for You, Best for Baby, which you can follow and share on social media. 
Just use hashtag best for you, best for baby, and use the number four. Protecting yourself and making healthy choices is more important now than ever for those who are trying to get pregnant in 2021. As we continue facing the COVID-19 pandemic, pregnant persons must take special care of themselves as they prepare for their baby. March of Dimes offers six tips to increase your chances of having a healthy full-term pregnancy and baby. Just head on over to the March of Dimes website to learn all about them. That's www.marchofdimes.org slash PPNP. Now this week, we're going to talk with Dr. Rahul Gupta, who is Senior Vice President and Chief Medical and Health Officer at March of Dimes, about the new ways March of Dimes is working to achieve its mission. Used to be March of Dimes was all about the babies. Now March of Dimes, along with many of us who are immersed in the maternal child health world, we agree that it's more effective to focus on the mothers. Now, I've said it a lot, but when moms are healthy and well taken care of, their babies usually are too. When we focus solely on what's best for babies to the exclusion of what's best for mothers, trouble happens. So that's what we're going to talk about today. March of Dimes focus on women. Let's get Dr. Gupta on the line. Hi, Rahul. This is Jeannie. How are you? I'm well, Jeannie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. So I am in Portland, Oregon. Where are you? I am in Northern Virginia area in Fairfax County. Oh, okay. Beautiful country. Yeah, yeah. So I introduced you a little bit before you and I picked up the phone today, but my first question is always a tough one. Who are you and what do you do? Well, thank you. My name is Rahul Gupta. I'm currently the Chief Medical and Health Officer at March of Dimes and a Senior Vice President. I'm also functioning as the Interim Chief Science Officer at the March of Dimes. I'm a practicing internist. Um, I'm also Adjunct Professor of Medicine at Georgetown University Medical School. Um, previously, I've been the Commissioner of Health for the state of West Virginia uh, for the two governors, a uh, recent one currently and the prior one. All right. And, you know, it doesn't sound like you would have any uh, free time or life outside of the career, but when you do, what do you do? Well, I'm a, I'm a, a, a husband to, uh, uh, for, for my last 25 years to mm-hmm. my wife and the proud parent of uh, identical twin boys. So we spend a lot of time as much as we can nowadays together mm-hmm. um, and uh, try to spend with family uh, as, as much time as possible. Identical twin boys. That would be a very fascinating conversation for this podcast, raising identical twin boys. I'd be interested. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, how did you find your way to the March of Dimes? Well, uh, one of the things that had happened totally unplanned was I began my career. uh, One of the initial things was to help launch a pulse polio campaign in in New Delhi in 1994, um, which where we vaccinated about 2 million kids in one city in one day. Excellent. With the the polio vaccine. So uh, unbeknownst to me after that, um, spent the next... uh, about 25 years practicing medicine, but for a lot of reasons, for the 
quite a number of years that I served as both local and state health commissioner in West Virginia, although I had um, oversight of about 130 programs in the state, but I noticed where a lot of my time was being spent on issues that had to do with A, uh, the substance use crisis that our nation is facing, but really is much worse at the heart of Appalachia, but also that where this crisis becomes worse is in moms and babies. So I was spending a lot of time understanding because of the vulnerability of the population, how we can help to improve the health of moms and babies, whether it's uh, basic things like preterm birth, birth defects, newborn screening, um, avoidance and getting help for addiction or for smoking and other aspects. So I found that uh, perhaps, uh, you know, for, for you know, hundreds of years, civilizations, if not thousands, have been known. Um, by the way we treat our most vulnerable, especially mothers and babies. And uh, that really led me to consider an organization that is a leading organization across the country uh, advocating for moms and babies. And that's what led me to March of Dimes. All right. That's a pretty interesting path. You mentioned that you were involved in a program to vaccinate 2 million people in Delhi against polio in what time period? Yeah, so that was 1994. And uh, as, of course, we're suffering through a global pandemic, uh, you know, this is a story of optimism because that was the first time ever that um, any state or any group had tried to do this. And following this successful effort in 1994, that approach was adopted by other states in, in a country of, uh, you know, 1.3 billion people. And over the next 20 years is when the con- country, the entire nation, was declared polio-free in um, 2014. So it's it's in um, story of optimism, but also how efforts can lead to virtual elimination of disease if um, we unite and we follow, a, you know, the evidence-based um, recommendations and yeah. play on it. Sounds like we could use that model and your expertise right about now, doesn't it? Oh, certainly. Yeah. I think we are, uh, we should <laughs> remain hopeful for that. Yeah, yeah. Boy, yeah. So how long, when did you start with March of Dimes? How long have you been with them? Yeah, I've been with March of Dimes a little over two years. Ah, so not that long, long enough to know to know the organization. But March of Dimes is a fairly old organization. When you started there, were there elements of the organization that you really, really liked and valued and then other areas that you hoped would kind of freshen up? Well, certainly, I think March Times is one of the only organizations, uh, rare organizations, that was begun by a sitting president, FDR, um, and has evolved over time, not only to start with the polio uh, vaccine-funded uh, research and clinical trials, but in, over time has focused on birth defects, maternal health, as well as infant health. So um, I've enjoyed the legacy of the organization. I've enjoyed the ability of the organization to evolve with the times, as well as look at what 
is the most important contemporary aspect that is not being focused on and needs to. So I found uh, its remaining focus on becoming, well, being the leader, first of all, for um, birth defects across the globe, but then also beginning to focus not just on infants, but also moving upstream to focus on mothers, um, because oftentimes we tend to ignore mothers. And then when we start to speak about issues of prematurity, a preterm birth, as well as maternal mortality and morbidity, that is the illness and the death in mom. We, as we remain one of the most, one of the more dangerous places in the developed world to give birth for a woman, we also see tremendous inequities in our system where if you're a black woman, you're 50% more likely to give birth to a preterm child. And if you are black, you're you know, three times more likely to die as a result of childbirth. So our focus that I really like is um, our pivot to addressing uh, with these issues with a lens of equity, understanding that if we do not do that, we cannot achieve our goals. Um, so, of course, both it's, it's the attraction to make sure that we're taking an equitable approach and also then looking at uh, programs, those that haven't been doing that within March Dance to make sure they are doing that. Can you tell me a little bit more about programs to ensure equity, what that looks like for, you know, what would my, one of my listeners see when they looked for that? So one of the things we have done in the, just the last year or so, um, in back in 2002, the National Academies basically called out the healthcare sector for the inequities and disparities at the time yeah. that existed. Um, we actually developed, uh, along with our uh, you know, partners, a implicit bias training. And uh, last, uh, just in 2020, we were able to train almost 10,000 health professionals across the country and um, implicit bias. So what's implicit bias? It's actually... You know, to have biases to be human, first of all. But what happens is we have these uh, particular way of processing information in our head. We we see a lot of, uh, all of us, um, we are exposed to a lot of things in, in our daily life. And there's an old archaic system of processing these things in our head, which often tends to, it can't um, materialize every fact, but what it does is, is packages it quickly as, like me, not like me, good, right. bad kind of thing. And unfortunately, as those things accumulate, those experiences, in times of stress, they can really come out. And and that's when um, racism occurs. That's when inequitable treatments occur. And same thing is often true for other sectors as well. So what we're trying to be doing for the country, especially for healthcare professionals to teach, it's okay to have bias, but it's not okay is to let your bias play a role the care that you're rendering um, to people that you've taken an oath to make sure that they get the best care possible. So that's just an example. We have supportive pregnancy care, uh, which is a group prenatal program. We are in uh, dozens of neonatal ICUs across the country where we're helping provide education. We're trying to engage and expand that education onto online models as well. So during COVID, it has been on one hand challenging, but on the other hand, it's allowed us to 
uh, create a lot of web programming with that focus on equity. And it opens up accessibility, I think. I think that might be one of the silver linings that we're seeing from from the transformation of healthcare during COVID-19 is that more people have access to an internet connection than they do um, the transportation perhaps to get to a doctor's appointment or the time in the middle of their day. That Do you agree? That is so right. That, yeah. That is so true. And and we're, we're glad for that. I think that's it's allowing us to really look at both where people have access, didn't have access before, but also um, we should also not take it for granted because there's a lot of people out there that may often not have access. So it's important. But it's overall, it's a good thing that we're, yeah. we're opening that up. Yeah, yeah. So I would like to talk a little bit about Marta Dimes' campaign right now, um, Best for You, Best for Baby, both from the perspective of preventing birth defects, but also from the perspective we've been talking about, improving mom's health so that, you know, when mom's healthy, Babies often are too, it turns out. Some of the factors that you know create uh, adverse conditions in a pregnancy or a baby who is not as healthy as possible, some of those things are preventable. Some are not. And I want to talk a little bit about maybe a few prevention measures that are directly connected to maternal and baby's health. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, you know, the theme for our National Birth Defects Prevention Month in 2021 is, as you mentioned, best for you, best for your baby. We even have a hashtag, um, which is best number for you and best number for baby. Um, So the idea behind um, best for you, best for baby is to be able to make sure that people are working to protect themselves as well as making healthy choices. And it's more important now um, than ever for those who are attempting to become pregnant in 2021. Um, as we continue to face this pandemic, uh, pregnant persons must take special care of themselves as they prepare for their baby. Uh, you know, while we have a lot to learn, uh, some of the research is showing that pregnant persons might have a significant high risk of severe illness or death during COVID-19 compared with their non-pregnant uh, counterparts. So, you know, we're we're looking at that and we think that it's very important for uh, for us to think about what things can, can be done positively. And, of course, one of those things is to protect yourself from the pandemic, of course, um, mm-hmm. social distancing right now where masks staying around yeah. yeah from crowds and then you know uh, when the vaccine does open up for the right groups to be able to take the vaccine is important and if you have concerns you can talk to your provider um, we also think that there's of course a number of other things that are important just in terms of, of pregnancy which is a, you know a idea of making sure that you're not smoking, um, you're not drinking alcohol if you're attempting to become pregnant, um, of course, not taking any street drugs either. Um, those things are important. Um, making sure that you're you know, starting to take uh, what we call 400 micrograms of folic acid every day, 
folic acid is a type of a B vitamin that's been proven to prevent some major birth defects in the baby's brain and spine. So it becomes important that that 400 micrograms of folic acid every day is taken even prior to becoming pregnant to ensure that the baby has proper development and growth. Um, I always like to mention at this point that it's it's something you can pick up at the grocery store or at your local pharmacy. It's not a prescription. It's just a vitamin. You can get it over the counter easily. Exactly. Yes, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, there's other foods too, like um, uh, lentils and green leafy vegetables and black beans and orange juice that contain um, obviously folic acid. So, um, you know, there's some breads, um, there's fortified corn massa flour, such as cornbread, um, corn tortillas, and tacos. These are also have uh, pre-fortified uh, into it. But it's also important to get, um, you know, your flu shot, for example. That's important to get other shots like one for pertussis um, or whooping cough, a tetanus ahead of time to make sure you're safe um, with that. Um, Pre-pregnancy checkup is very important because it's not only to go to the your provider when you're pregnant, but also you want to talk to your provider ahead of time. What over-the-counter medications and vitamins and supplements you should be taking. How about your sleep, getting enough sleep, getting the right amount of fruits and vegetables, exercise. And those things become very important. One is trying to become pregnant, but also during pregnancy. Uh, maintaining a healthy weight is important. Trying to reach a healthy weight for yourself is important. And the lifestyle overall uh, aspect is, is critical as well. So there's a ton of things that you can do for yourself to take care of your body uh, to make sure that you're in the best possible position to avoid poor outcomes when it comes to becoming pregnant and delivering um, the baby or baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the common sense stuff that we know that we should do. But the wonderful thing about pregnancy for many women is that it is a golden opportunity to really take yourself and your, to prioritize your health. And it always comes down to doing the basics, you know, get a good checkup, eat well, get some exercise, rest well, all the things we know, nothing new there. But, you know, I I like when women can get a checkup before they intend to become pregnant. That's oftentimes when women discover issues that they didn't know. Like maybe they have borderline high blood pressure and it needs to be watched, or maybe their blood sugar is a little bit high and we should keep an eye on that that's exactly right Uh, and uh, the fact is that literally almost half of people who are pregnant um it's an it's not planned right that's 50 percent of my children (laughs) (laughs) and and that's exactly what happens is sometimes you know uh and and know that a lot of the complication of pregnancy the sooner when you find out you're pregnant even and then the sooner you can get into a provider's office and check for those things, as you mentioned, your blood pressure, your diabetes, and those things, the better it is because control of those conditions directly impacts your baby's health and your health, both in pregnancy as well as after pregnancy. Yeah. And, you know, I started this you know, by saying some, sometimes it's completely out of your control. You do everything, um, you know, quote unquote, right. And you still have 
an adverse outcome or an unhealthy baby or some sort of condition occurs. And um, we talked in last week's episode with Danny Kilgore, and she is a big advocate for the March of Dimes. And we talked about the role that March of Dimes plays in the lives of families who are going through something like a premature delivery or a baby who is sick in the in the NICU. And um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. And then if any of my listeners feel so moved, how they could get involved in supporting it too. Sure, absolutely. Um, so one of the great things about March of Dimes is that we um, try to make it easy uh, for people who are going through difficult times. And um, oftentimes, times are difficult and you can't plan for them. So when uh, preterm, uh, being, being parents of uh, preterm um, uh, twins, we can say that, you know, those things aren't planned often. And right. uh, oftentimes what would happen is because we're able to, on the good side, able to save younger and younger babies nowadays because of technology, the the challenging side is that oftentimes these young births end up in ICU for sometimes quite a bit of time, and the families end up um, stretched out oftentimes because of that. Uh, when the neonatal ICU, uh, the baby has to stay, then then obviously the uh, it becomes a challenge and tough for for the mother for the, yeah, the family. Yeah. Yeah. So. What we do is we have uh, my NICU baby app that can be downloaded at no cost by anyone. Um, and there's you know, a few dozen places across the country that are just kind enough to help support, have actually a program. So for those, we have actually coordinators that are in physically there and are helping every baby, regardless of it's preterm birth, if it's because of a heart defect or other birth defects or other conditions or, or infections uh, in the neonatal period, um, we're making sure we're providing those resources to all of the babies and their families in the neonatal ICU. And oftentimes, um, those resources include a package um, that's still downloadable through the app, but it talks about you know how to get ready what to be expecting, how to work with your staff that's there to help you, uh, what resources to seek out, um, and then what happens when you're ready to go home. So all of those things that oftentimes is a new thing for parents, it helps empower um, new parents, both for themselves and the questions they need to ask. And then we also work to train and work with the staff available in those hospitals as well. So the idea here is to provide support both um, for the staff as well as for our, um, you know, birthing parents to ensure that while the experience may be difficult, if there's, you know, we can empower them with knowledge, make it a little bit easier to go through the experience. And then we have tremendous amount of resources on our um, website. Uh, people through the app soon enough are going to be able to reach the Facebook community. They can still reach separately the Facebook communities where they can um, speak and connect with like-minded parents who have gone through similar experiences and, and connect that. We also have um, you know, a number of other opportunities as well um, that allow people to connect 
both with each other as well as with Marsha Times resources. Great. And are there um, ways for them if they feel like they want to support, donate, or volunteer? Absolutely. Marsha Times could not be an organization without the support and help of our volunteers. That's the first and foremost. Yeah, and that yeah. cannot be also a source without the support of our supporters. So MarshaDimes.org um, is a place that you can go to, seek out, check us out there. And obviously, if you would like to support us, to support us. And if you like to volunteer, please, we look forward to the volunteer um, as well. We have a robust volunteer community that's led by one of our vice presidents. And uh, as it's just uh, Megan Walker, and uh, we do a tremendous job in making sure that we're, you know, it's not just volunteering in service, it's also volunteering in advocacy to yeah. make sure that we have some of the most robust family friendly and and pregnancy friendly policies both in states as well as across the country and as well as in in, in the federal government and federal policies so uh, we are constantly seeking out your support as well as your volunteerism at marchadimes.org Great, great. I know a lot of my listeners are really interested in advocacy, so I, I, uh, I think they'll be coming your way. Yeah. Well, Rahul, um, I wanted to ask you one question. When you brought your baby boys home from the NICU, did you feel like you knew what you were doing? I mean, you were you were a doctor, right? Yes. And did you feel like you knew what you were doing? We were both doctors, and we knew not at all what we. Were doing. <laughs> <laughs> How long was it before you got any sleep at all? You know, um, we, our pediatrician has told us, a neonatologist had told us to feed them every two hours in yeah. their special little bottles, very special because they were preterm. Uh-huh. And we were actually manually doing that around the clock for hours and hours and days and days um, until we had to figure out, well, doesn't two hours every two hours doesn't mean that you have to really prepare the formula every two hours breastfeed every two hours here's here's the shortcuts so it takes a while and if there's someone there to help you to understand that um, you can avoid that exhaustion you can avoid that so it takes a while for any new parent no matter who you are and where you are to really understand especially when you've gone through a you know tough experience so um, certainly, uh, we've learned the lesson as well. With you. <laughs> so when you're talking to families, you know what you are talking about. You've walked that walk. I, exactly. And I know yeah. that uh, when I used to be on calls at the hospital during my residency, when we had the babies, I actually, believe it not, used to feel good about because I could sleep longer. <laughs> I could at home. I didn't. Um, it, it's funny how, uh, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's having gone through those experiences. And how old are those boys now? They're actually in their early 20s now. So Grown uh, men. You you made it. Good yeah. job. Oh, thank <laughs> yeah. you. And, and, for, and you're okay, right? <laughs> exactly. And for all of those out there that are going to feel or go through the initial experiences, whether it's one child, two or three, uh, just know that you will make it. And one day <laughs> you'll be you're okay. Gonna, you're going to feel good and you're going to be so proud. Yeah. Yeah. My youngest is about to turn 21. And so I feel like I'm in that same category. You're going to be okay. You guys, it's going to be okay. Yeah. 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 Well, is there anything else that you would like listeners to know? I think it's a, it's, it's something that, you know, we're always, um, 
it's important for the country um, to, I mentioned this a little bit, but uh, to understand that, uh, you know, there's a lot of information out there and not always is the information accurate one. Uh, one oh, yeah. of them, you know, take a lot of pride in having physicians, experts, and others help develop information um, and takes pride in the accuracy evidence-based information. So we would really encourage people to visit the website, the app, uh, My NICU Baby app, if uh, they desire to, but certainly the website as well, and learn um, as much as you can, because information is power. And with that power, you can both um, go through an experience, uh, make it a little bit less difficult, no matter how tough it is, but also then uh, we're there to help you side by side. So marchadams.org, uh, we want you to be most informed and educated because it's your life and you deserve to be fully empowered. Well, that was a great resources there for people to tap into. Yeah. All right. Well, at this point, I usually ask a few rapid fire roundup questions, but I'm just going to ask you one of them this week. Sure. You ready? Yes. Okay. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Oh, well, nobody ever told me how um, the experience would be for both, uh, and it would be different, the birth experience for the mother and the father. Um, often people consider um, it, it to be exclusively one experience. People don't consider the father into it. So it's, uh, it's one of those amazing things, but the fathers must not be left out either. Well, you know what? That leads me to another question. Would you be willing to come on back and talk to us another time about what it's like to parent, to be the father of two identical kids. That's a conversation we haven't had on the podcast yet. Sure. We'd love to anytime. Oh, good, good, good. Well, then I'm going to get more information about that next time we talk. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. It's um, important work that you do, and I'm glad we had a chance to talk about it. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And it sounds like you and I will talk again down the road. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks to March of Dimes, our sponsor for this episode. You can learn more about them at marchofdimes.org slash PPNP. You can learn more about me at genefaulkner.com. Email me, gene at genefaulkner. Tweet me at genefaulkner. And find us on Instagram and Facebook at Pregnancy Parenting and Politics. Pregnancy Parenting and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye.